Welcome to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of Flash of Steel. I'm your host, Troy Goodfellow. With me today are my regular panelists, Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. Tom Chick here. And Bruce Garrick. It already feels like roomier in here. Like, you've got, I got a little more elbow room. I can kind of like put my feet up. It's yeah. The studio. It is the new studio, and the uh, large elbow Julian Murdoch is not with us today. God, that guy took up so much room. Ugh. He just lay his shit everywhere, and it's terrible. Yeah. So, we have a lot to talk about today, I think. Try to keep this We should point out, by the way, yes. uh, that Julian has just gone for this week. He, he yes. will be back. We didn't, we didn't kick him out. We didn't exile him. Julian is like not, Julian. He has not been banished or kicked off the island. He is simply fa- have... He has many better things to do this weekend, things that don't involve gaming, I suspect. Probably a richer, fuller life. He was actually going to see a, a local community theater production of Rent, I believe, which is why he <laughs> couldn't make it this week. The entire weekend? Yeah, it, it's a long production. It's a long show. Oh, 525,600 minutes long, I guess. Okay, so what are we going to start with this week? Start with Empire, which you've had some time with. Tom, I suspect. I have uh, played. I, I yeah, I've, I've had a long weekend with Empire: Total War. Yeah. So I'm doing the review for Crispy Gamer. You've already turned your review in. Yep. Uh, and I'm plugging away at it for that. There's been a lot of talk uh, since the release of a lot of hardware crashes. People are having some stability problems. Though I had nothing uh, when I was playing. And have you experienced any hardware troubles or? Nope, no problems on my end. It's been it's been very stable. So, I think people just more people need to upgrade their graphics drivers. Bruce, have you had any crashes? Bruce, I bet hasn't experienced any crashes with it either. I'm, I'm willing to bet. They need to tighten up the graphics on level three. That's pretty much all I can remember. <laughs> no, I I don't know anything about that. I mean, isn't there a demo or something? There is a demo. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I usually don't get games anymore without demos because I, I don't have time for any of that. Now, uh, Bruce, did you play the previous Total Wars? Like, were you ever into, you know, way back in Shogun? Or I know we played, I think it was Medieval for a Tom versus Bruce. Was, yeah, Was that did. sort of the limit of your exposure to those? Um, I reviewed Shogun for um, for whoever I was writing for at the time. Um, and then I played Medieval. I remember, yeah, Medieval was one of the early Tom versus Bruce's. Um, but since then, I don't think I, no, I don't, I haven't played it. So one of the things I'd like to talk about, I, although Troy, I mean, we, we could go all over with this. I, oh, yeah. I'd like to talk about how you guys feel about the basic design uh, of Creative Assembly's games. Namely, oh. this idea that you've got this elaborate tactical module, and they build these strategy games of varying quality around them. Uh, do these work for you guys pretty well? I think it's a sound design idea, and I think uh, their strategy model has evolved a lot more than their tactical model has. I think when they started the Total War franchise, they had a very good idea where they were going with uh, the war game part, with the tactical combat. I mean, it's about lining up the troops and getting them into position and using the trees and the hills. I mean, they got that down really quick. But I think it took them a long time to figure out, okay, now how do we make this relate to a larger strategy map? How do we make the strategy game as compelling as the battles that we're drawing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that the. Uh, I don't think that the the strategy part when I was playing was ever as good as sort of the basic idea of just lining up these guys and uh, uh, you know fighting out the tactical battles. But 
I don't know. Is it has it gotten better? Has it changed? I mean, what what's what 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 could possibly be different? I mean, you have like provinces and you move guys around in them. Well, as Troy pointed out, I mean, they they've really they they've tried so many different approaches in the, the strategy map, like making it more complicated, or less complicated. Uh, Empire is pretty streamlined. I, I think it's certainly their best effort to date. But uh, yeah, the strategy model has changed, and the tactical model has not changed that much. I, I think. Uh, I think Empire is more streamlined, but it's also a lot more complex. I think there's a lot more going on at the Empire strategic level uh, than there was in Rome or Medieval too. But I think they just have it better organized. Or they have it better laid out. Um, you can definitely see the influences of like civilization. I mean, they they have this sort of this emphasis on little discrete icons for each unit of you know happiness or unhappiness or yep. food growth. Uh, and I don't recall that from the previous games. That that's new, isn't it, Troy? Yeah, it is. And there, before there was just this general population happiness factor, and there's all this other stuff uh, clumped in there. And there were icons, but there's just so much stuff going on, um, and it was never quite clear how much effect one had over another. How important was squalor as opposed to overpopulation, for example, in Rome? And that was a big problem in Rome. You know, the squalor would take off, and it was never quite clear how you could control it. Um, Empire does a lot better job of not just telling you what's happening, but letting you know how you can fix it through the use of ministers. um, I mean, repressions clearly about troops. You throw more troops in there. Bruce? You can level up your squalor. I mean, that's actually pretty cool. (laughs) I totally like that. as 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 your city grew in population, if it didn't have enough sewage or enough food or enough hospitals, you, the squalor would take over. People would get upset and they'd throw out your army and declare independence. I would like to say that compared to Civilization's model, uh, using squalor as opposed to, I think in Civilization it's like unhealth or negative health. <laughs> yeah. Squalor's a great word. Squalor yeah. should be representative in more strategy games. I agree. Yeah. Games so before that- we actually get too much onto Empire, I just because what I was sort yeah. of wanting to get at before, and I, I was right. curious if either of you sort of shared this opinion, and I, I might be alone in this. I question the entire premise of Creative Assembly's really? games. Uh, I do in that, well, like if they didn't, they don't really exist. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the premise that their gameplay design is based on, I, I do acknowledge that they exist. Okay, I, I'll go there with you. I'll, I'll grant you that. Right. Um, but the, you know, Sid Meier has has steadfastly refused to put tactical combat in Civilization, and he's a very smart guy, and he feels that it leads to this sort of schizophrenic uh, design where you're playing mm-hmm. Civ one moment, and then you're playing a tactical battle, and then you're playing Civ, and and some people are okay with that, and certainly people loved the tactical combat in Master of Orion, uh, which was like Civilization in space. But I have a real problem with the basic hook for. Uh, the, the Creative Assembly games, and they feel like two separate games. And I'm not sure that I buy that they relate to each other very well, uh, the tactical combat and the strategic map. I feel like I'm playing the strategic map, and every now and then I have to stop to play a battle. Uh, or maybe it's the other way. I love playing the battles, but to get to them and to make them meaningful, I have to play this separate game. Uh, and, and for me, there's always been this sort of schizophrenic disconnect there. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that approach. Well, that, you that doesn't bother either of you two? Not really. I mean, me and Fridge, we don't have to play the battles in the Total War games. You can, if you don't mind losing hundreds of troops, you can just let the computer auto-resolve it. Um, I think 
one of the reasons that it works in Massive Orion 2 and works to some extent in, I think, a very large extent in the Total War games, and certainly wouldn't in Civilization, um, is just the scope of the game. That once you put in, uh, once you, the dramatic changes from one era to the next, you, it's impossible to think of any tactical, uh, battle setup that's gonna make any sense. Uh, but let's take it back to colonization. Would it work in colonization? And that is, that's a nice tight focus period, which would deal with my, my criticism. I'm still not sure it would, because it's, goes back to what Soren Johnson has said about civilization, that the way the gameplay is conceived is, it is an inherently tile-based game. That it's about the control of tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes a lot less sense to have know these grand conquests of entire regions or have an army run across and then wipe out every army in the area that's a i just want you to have the idea of you know building on tiles and building cities on tiles and moving troops across tiles stopping every now and then with a battle you get to the uh what was that old act the old activision civilization game call to power it had a tactical uh, oh my god it did wow way back civilization yeah. call to power one of the big things it had a tactical uh Battle map. It, it, turn, it was t- t- turn-based. And it wasn't very good um, because I don't just either they didn't think it through that well, or it just didn't fit well with the uh, tile-based, square-based, bit-by-bit um, conception of the game. Plus, it's, me, it's personally the the better model. I think uh, an instance where it does work. Two instances mm-hmm. where it does work, I feel, mm. is sort of let's have a big strategic game with a separate tactical combat model. In Master of Orion, the, the the tactical combat model played with so many wacky science fiction toys that you had to develop on the strategic map. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth there. Once I got a new quantum zapper, black hole generator, whatever, I could then play with it and see it in effect on uh, the tactical map, which had a lot more wackiness than a Total War tactical battle, which is, is is based on a very sort of established model. Even though you get better, I don't know, musketeers and riflemen and whatever, uh, it still is basically the same kind of gameplay. Uh, Master of Orion addressed that by really changing up the tactical battle based on how you progress in the strategic map. So when Another you played, example, so when you played medieval and discovered muskets, you didn't say, "Oh, I got to well, play that battle." Okay, so my that right there. In action. Name name one other significant uh, gameplay change in a. A creative assembly tactical model beyond like gunpowder, and maybe there is one, and I just didn't miss it. But normally, you get new cavalry oh, yeah. to have like a better elephants. point of, of melee See, combat. Seeing your first elephants in action. I mean, every nation. Okay, name three. You've named two. Name a third. <laughs> I get your point. I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, and I realize I'm picking. I, no, that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm picking too. That, that's why we're here. We're here to pick apart. So go ahead. Your, your second point. So my second one that I think where that does work. Uh, is Imperialism 2, where the tactical combat was really a more streamlined, chessy kind of uh, game, where it was still very true to, you know, you move a little piece. It's almost like the Heroes of Might and Magic games, where you're moving around. And I think that, oh, that I early... I hated those. You did not hate Imperialism 2. No, I loved, Imper- I loved Imperialism and Imperialism 2. hated the battles. Oh, oh. Okay, but but you understand that they were yeah. they were much more sort of streamlined and abstract and and there right. wasn't this entire huge game engine built around them. 
uh, I get the feeling that Creative Assembly had they they made this awesome technology, and ever since they've been struggling with how to put it elegantly into a game. Right. And I think all along they've kind of failed. And I'm not not to say that I dislike the game. I can see the appeal. But as mm-hmm. far as making a streamlined, elegant design around this awesome technology, I think they've consistently failed. Okay, you've totally forgot the best game that has a strategic layer and a tactical layer. Go. What is what? it, Bruce? Oh, come on. Come on, Bruce. I, I mean, I feel like you, you're... Mm, what? Yeah, okay. But I, the I, I, layer I you're right. Actually, no, Bruce himself. has an awesome point. Go ahead, Bruce. You you have the point. I I, tell, I think I know where you're going. Run with it. Well, I mean, I think that that game. I mean, that's that has that's sort of the ultimate. You know, make little things in your strategic level. I mean, the the, the whole strategic level is about you know discovering new technologies or or magic or whatever you want to call it, and then using them in these tactical battles, which ironically you don't have control over. So, and I think that's a big part of why it works. Absolutely. Well, you, you see, you see the same thing in galactic civilizations too. Oh, right, right. Yep, another good call. Yep, yep. Where you have right. all these great spectacular space battles, and all you can do is watch and make sure that guy's rockets are get, aren't getting through your whatever beats rockets point defense. And I, so I think those game designs are very focused on what kind of game they are. At what level does the player play those games? And Galciv Two and Dominions are an excellent example where you're there to play at the strategic level, but there's still a very rich tactical module. Uh, and, I've, yeah, so I feel those games don't this have is the, the heart fusion of, inherent in the Creative Assembly games. I think this is the heart of our disagreement, Tom, about why I see the Total War games as primarily turn-based, and you see them as primarily real-time. Because <laughs> it's true. We have had that. We have had this, and it's been a very amiable you know, debate for the most part. I think you're wrong, but... Well, I think I, you're a jerk. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I am a jerk. Um, that's it. You're off the show. <laughs> you can't fire me, man. I quit. Bring back Julian. Uh, and I mean, you make a good point. I mean, th- clearly, the the first two Creative Assembly games, the first two Total War games, were entirely about the battles because the ma- the strategic map was re- clearly an afterthought. It was a risk type map, province to province movement. The AI was telepathic. Um, is about you and your knights banging their swords together. Uh, I think they really stepped it up a notch, though, uh, with Rome and Medieval 2, and again, an empire. I think they're clearly coming to a better idea of how to make the battles relate to the strategic map. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the map design itself. Changing the movement, uh, adding resources, um, finding new purposes to the Medieval 2, Having different types of towns where some are more for economy and some are more for military. I think they are getting there. I think you're right. They did start with the technology and they've been struggling ever since. Well, so how I'm long is really Shogun? Wait, but hold Shogun on, hold is on, like. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. Bruce Garrick, take it away. I don't really understand your complaint. Are you saying that the, the, uh, the strategic layer trivializes the battles or what? Or that the battles I mean, trivialize the, the, the strategic layer? Because Basically, the, the, I, I'm not. I'm not saying either trivializes the other. I'm saying that there's no clear emphasis one way or the other, and therefore it feels like two separate games that I don't feel relate very well to each other. But the original point of the games, I mean, the reason that the, they were so amazing was mm-hmm. that nobody had ever really done that kind of real-time, 3D, uh, tactical battle before, right? I mean, right. I remember when Shogun came out, 
And everybody, all anybody could talk about was how cool it was that you had all these little guys and you could maneuver them. Remember all the formations and how how? Oh, uh, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I distinctly remember the first E3 where they showed that. I mean, that blew my yeah. mind. Absolutely. So, so at that point, I mean, it, I'm not saying that, that the tactical battles were a gimmick, but just the fact that they existed was sort of cool enough for people to accept the game for what it was. Well, but I think at that point the game was tactical battles. And they sort of built around the outside of it this very rudimentary strategy shell in the original Shogun. And that was there to sort of give the tactical battles a little context. Right. Much yeah, like, say, the yeah. campaign in Warlords Battlecry 3 and 2 is it's an RTS and we're going to put this strategic shell on it. But there's still nobody has ever confused Warlords Battlecry 2 for an RPG or a, a turn-based strategy game. It's clearly an RTS, whereas the fact that Troy and I can disagree about whether or not uh, the Total War games are an RTS or a turn-based strategy game, that right there, to me, speaks volumes about the confusion behind their design. Uh, and I'm using the word confusion. I mean, that yeah, I mean, certainly did, colors yeah, I, my I, opinion I, on it. You could also describe it as it's, you know, more generous or more genre-breaking. I mean, there's positive well, ways I, to I'd rather this. throw out the whole turn-based real-time thing altogether, but clearly... You know, I think the games. I think the strategic part of the games is much stronger than it was. I think they are making inroads, and I do feel there, especially in Empire, a lot more interaction between my troops and the world uh, than there was certainly in Shogun. Of course, in Shogun there wasn't as much variety, so something was lost there. Oh, and by the way, I would say Myth was the precursor to Shogun. As far as, yeah, but I certainly mean, not at the same scale. But yeah, not, not same. at the same scale, but I mean, Myth has its place. I mean, Myth showed it could be done. And yeah. show, uh, what the creator of Soundly People did was they uh, didn't use dwarfs who right. could kill themselves. <laughs> and they, they multiplied the numbers on the battlefield by yeah, 10. And, and they added the strategic layer. I mean, that was a, a big part. I mean, just even adding that was what separated Shogun from Myth. Oh, you guys know what I just thought that would be really cool? Myth with a strategic map like that. Absolutely. I would love that. Somebody make that. Even better would be combat mission with a giant strategic map that linked everything together. Didn't they just Oh, they they had that combat mission campaigns. I wonder when that comes out. It's not dead, is it? Yeah. They canceled it and released the source code. Bruce, why do you have to break our hearts? That's a terrible thing to bring up. Yeah, well. I mean, but isn't that... That's what everybody wants, right? They want to fight these really complex, interesting tactical battles and then have context for them right so and i think that's a challenge for any rts you know an rts is almost like a shooter this sort of disposable 30 to hour long 30 minute to hour long experience and how do you make that fit into the larger whole yeah yeah so what do you think what do you, i mean what could if you were if for, if for example somehow uh you got hired by um a developer which eventually right. of course is going to happen like it happens to every uh, gaming journalist and <laughs> They make you uh, a, uh, a designer on some new game that has this tactical combat model that's pretty interesting, or or maybe it's not, but let's just say that um, there's something going on with it, and you need to contextualize it. I mean, what what are the criteria that you have? Well, you know, it's a good question, and I, you know, we can all play armchair designer, and we're all it's very easy for us. But what what Creative Assembly probably knows, and their publisher Sega is, you know, why do people buy their games? Do they really need these elaborate uh, strategic models? And I'll bet they really like that. I'll bet that's a huge selling point. But from a, if I were a 
gameplay design, if I were a game designer, and if I was coming to those guys strictly from the perspective of let's make the best game that we can, whereas best means what Tom Chick wants to play, mm-hmm. uh, I would tell them, you know what, you guys, this, this elaborate strategic stuff that you're putting in, you know, you're trying to do a Civ type game. You know what? Screw that. Let's let's cut that. Go back to some basic shogun style uh sort of abstract board gamey strategic shell. Don't place so much emphasis on that. Scale it down, make it even more streamlined and focus on putting a freaking effective AI into your goddamn tactical battles. Because right now, and, and you know what, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself talking about Empire because I'm very mad about that game about certain things. But I would tell those guys, get the tactical battles right. Make them play well and then give it a streamlined strategic shell. But make sure the player spends most of his time in these awesome tactical battles that you've created. Uh, quit trying to compete with Civilization Four or Europa Universalis Three. Because you know what, Troy, when I'm playing uh, Empire Total War, I'm sitting there thinking... Oh, screw this. I want to go play Europa Universalis 3. And I hmm. shouldn't be thinking that. I should be looking forward to my next tactical battle, but I'm not. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I gotta, sl- I gotta play the strategy game, which isn't as good as EU3 or Civ 4. Uh, and I don't know when the next tactical battle that's gonna be meaningful is gonna come along. Uh, so, if, yeah, that, that's what I would do if, if I was hired by those guys. Now you guys turn. Bruce, I wanna know what you would do. And Troy, what would you do? If you get hired by Creative Assembly, what would you tell them to do? Bold. I'd- I'd work on the strategic AI. I think the tactical AI is getting a lot better. I think it's better than it was. I think they're improving it. I had a great battle uh, last night uh, playing a Russian campaign. D- D- Dagestan, of course, declared war on me, piggybacking on, the, on Georgia's act of aggression. And they came after me with this really large army. Two huge armies met. I had cannon. They didn't. And they holed up behind a wall. And I kept firing and firing. And I couldn't do enough damage. So I had to split my forces, force them to advance towards me, and they played it very smart. It was a hard-fought battle, um, and certainly a very rewarding experience. It's not as good at the naval battles, but the strategic AI is still the weakest part, much weaker than the tactical AI. And you could say, okay, that's one more reason to throw it out altogether. But I think that's the major appeal of the game now. I think even though all the marketing material uh, focuses on don't these battles look spectacular, and they do, I think the heart of the game's audience now is really committed to playing out these campaigns. And you can see that that's where they're putting their development energy because they're, they went from, and I think Shogun had seven or eight historical battles to choose from in a period where there isn't a lot to choose from. And now we have three in Empire, three historical battles and one naval battle. Um, in a period where there's just so much great opportunity to, you know, play Frederick the Great. They don't give us anything to do. If they load up a horse and musket, I want to play Frederick the Great. This gives you my I have one word for you, Troy. Actually, three letters. DLC. I, I can totally see them trying yep. to sell uh, battles as downloadable content. And Democratic I think Leadership should... Committee? And I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bruce, you have been hired by Creative Assembly. They're like, Bruce Garrick, come work for us. Tell us what we need to do for the next uh, Total War game. What do you tell them? You can't say fold. I heard that before. You can't tell them to fold because they've just hired you. Are they going to make me be on call every fourth night? Because no. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, You're a game developer. You're never allowed to leave. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, but you can drink a lot of Mountain Dew. Um, well, the, I mean, the, the whole problem I have with uh, with your um, with your premise is that you're 
there's nothing special about those battles anymore. I don't think. Is there? As far as what you mean, as far as like the, the graphics engine or the, the basic gameplay? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's it's it's, all, it's it seems kind of like kind of old hat now, right? Well, l- l- last year there was a game called Thirteenth Century Medieval, which was pretty much all just medieval battles in a real time. It was you know without any strategic layer. Right. So the point is that if there's nothing if there's nothing specifically compelling about the battle, I mean nobody likes playing the battles. That's like the that's like the hidden secret of all war games is people don't like. There's a game about a battle. They don't like just playing the battle. They want to have context. They want to say, oh, well, you know, if I win this battle, then what do I get for my next battle, right? Or if I survive this battle with, you know, this guy, you know, does he get more experience in the next battle? Is he tougher? You know, does he have, you know, like a chainsword or whatever the heck it has? So that's the the only thing that ever makes the battles themselves interesting if there, is if there's something special that you haven't seen before, which is why Shogun totally worked, right? I mean, you're right. The the strategic layer didn't work. It, it didn't have an, the the spaces weren't properly balanced. It you you uh, ended up in the end just having these you know two sort of rows of units across a very narrow Japan, and uh, everything sort of uh, devolved into this sort of trench warfare on the on the strategic map. But the battles were so neat that you didn't care because at that point you know nobody had really done that before, and all you wanted to do was was play around with this nice this uh, tactical battle toy. But now that that's sort of been done, uh, I think that, uh, I don't think that there's a whole lot of, gamers always want to do more things, right? They want to they have, well, you know, this game models, uh, you know, um, down to one level, and then everybody says, well, you know, can't we go, can't we go lower? Can't we have, like, can't the leaders get, get wounded and have to go to the hospital and then you have to keep track of when they come back from the hospital and you know every, because it's 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 uh it's not so much about playing a game as just sort of of uh, immersing yourself in whatever thing you're trying to do to waste time and uh I think that's why the whole AI thing is a little bit of a red herring because I'm not sure that I mean yes people want to have a challenge but I think that for the, the more complex the game gets the more that playing the game is just sort of an experience like uh um, what's that game? Uh, War in the Pacific. Yeah. I mean, just playing that game, no, no, no matter how you know terrible the AI may be, just playing that game is sort of an experience, right? And getting down and tweaking all your little, you know, this checkbox and 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 all the um, you know individual things that you have to keep track of. That's that's part of the game. So the more complex the game gets, the more that just Interacting with the game is what's rewarding. So, but you wouldn't wouldn't hold that up as good game design, though, would you? Well, I mean, what do you mean good game design? I mean, no, I mean, I have some, I have a a bunch of definite thoughts about you know what I'd like to play and what I actually can even consider a game. I mean, some of these things I don't even consider games. I just consider them the sort of toys that you you play around with because you know you want to waste time and escape, which is the whole point of gaming. But I mean. that's that's the problem I have criticizing a lot of things is, I mean, if people just want to twiddle around with a game and, and have a whole bunch of different options that aren't really coherent, I mean, who am I to tell them not to do it? I mean, that's that's the whole thing with Crown of Glory. I mean, I make fun of that game all the time because it seems like those guys just don't have any concept of game design, Right. They don't really have an idea of, well, we'd like to make a game that does this and this, and these elements are balanced in this way, and 
uh, we force players to make these choices. I mean, players don't have to make any choices. They can they have every possible rule available to them, and they can just sort of willy nilly click on them and and uh, select one and not select another. And there's no sense of any coherent game design at all. But you know, I think that's hilarious. But I mean, if people it and people want to do it to uh, uh, and it entertains them, then yeah, who am I to tell them that that's not good game design? What you get in some games, and I think this is a little bit of what you're describing, Bruce, uh, in some games, your opponent, if you will, the, the chief challenge is the actual game system. You know, you're right. learning it, right. you're learning how to manage your population, and if the other AI players are retarded and they can't manage their populations or assemble their armies, that can be okay for a lot of people because they enjoy learning the system and then steamrolling, steamrollering over Europe or whatnot. Exactly. Uh, so it's sort of like, and I, I hate seeing that because, you know, in a competitive game, if I'm playing as, as France, I want Prussia and England and Spain to, to sort of be equal players. I want to be able to prevail against relatively smart opponents who can use all the tools. You know, it's not enough for a game to be just a set of tools that I have to learn how to play. I want to play against others who can use those tools as well. And that's why I really, really, really am having a problem with Empire right now. Well, uh, wasn't the time when, I mean, don't you, can't you think back to when you were playing MUDs and what just, you know, the whole role-playing aspect was part of the, you know, that's what was enjoying, enjoyable for you about the game? What's a MUD? I don't understand. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know what that is. You played that off really well. <laughs> uh. Thank you. But, I mean, it, for maybe, I mean, maybe for a strategy gamer... That's true, but I mean, then you get to the whole idea of whether a strategy game needs to be, uh, you know, competitive. I mean, what about you know, what about SimCity? What about uh, anything? What about any sandbox game? Okay, well, that's that's the thing is there's a difference between a sandbox and a strategy game. If you're just messing around with a set of tools, it's a sandbox. If that set of tools is then engaged to oppose another player, you know, AI or human with a similar set of tools, that to me is a strategy game and that's what I want. If I just want to mess around with tools and build a city, I'll play SimCity. If I want to if I want to play if I'm playing Empire Total War, I want to conquer Europe or the Americas or whatever and I want to be opposed by the other powers that are trying to do the same thing. And I don't feel that's happening in Empire Total War. I feel well, a lot of people who like Empire are liking mastering the system. And in a way, don't notice or don't care that the system is basically brain dead. Okay, well, they, so they've always they've always fudged stuff with the strategic layer, and it's always been a bit of a problem. I mean, if you look at the original Total War engines, they did it with the telepathic AI, where they always the computer opponents always knew where you're going to move your troops, and therefore would preempt you with you know large stack moves. And then in the last iteration of the engine, Roman Medieval Two, they always made sure you were fighting two two front wars. I mean, you never had one war going on at a time. Your best friend in the world would declare war on you just to make sure you couldn't steamroll over uh, the opponent. Here we don't have that, but and I do think the AI does have a lot of problems with ideas like trade, and oh god, yeah, <laughs> has a lot of trouble with uh, guessing the nature of the threat. Uh, and it's no, I've never, I've not seen it. Maybe I just haven't played enough. I haven't seen it being aggressive at all. The AIs cannot mount an offensive, it seems to me. Can it even use boats? I mean, I, I just, I just, 
I'm like, have they I've, have they finished this game? I don't I don't know the answer to that. I haven't played. Well, it I've I've had it. I've had the AI be aggressive at times, and I still have my finger on when and where. The, the Dagestanis are very aggressive. The Georgians are very aggressive. I played as uh, the Maratha Empire and the Turks. You know, they got their boats out and blockaded my ports and made me you know rebuild an entire fleet because they were cutting off all of my income. Um, but has anyone? Tried, I mean, I've seen that too. But has anyone tried to like invade you? Like I've had war declared on me, and they just sort of sit there. Uh, have, have you seen like offensives mounted against you? Yeah, uh, a few. Okay. I mean, it's generally. I mean, I I'm an offensive guy. I tend to move up to their cities uh, before uh, I let them come in and pillage my stuff. But the Dagestanis and Georgians just keep burning down my farms. Wouldn't you just rather play a game where, you know, you don't have to worry about all those different things and you just have, like, one battle after another that's, you know, easily winnable and it tells you a story about, you know, all your units and how they, you know, their complex interactions and the, you know... That's how most RTSs uh, work, isn't it? They just do that little, we're going to give you this story mission, then this one, then this one. Uh, And people like that, though. But, I mean, that's that's my point, right? Do people like that? I Apparently a ton of people like that. Right? Some people do, yeah. I mean, they're out oh, there. Yeah. Oh, you I'm know, not... I think a lot more than we appreciate. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we've seen that so often, and we're a little sick of it. But, yeah, people dig that. People want a story. It's people with Sins of a Solar Empire saying, where's our story? You know, oh, yes. I don't care. You guys don't care. But I'm sure, yeah, they get that complaint a lot. So, yeah, people like those things. Uh, but it's I, – I don't know if this is just some totally wonky strategy game or complaint, but I just really – Unless it's got a good AI, it's sort of like there's sort of like this curve where I enjoy a game and then I master the system, and then unless it's got a good AI, I lose all interest because I realize that mastering the system is where the challenge ends. Once I've reached that point, the game is dead for me, and I hate that. That should be where the game really starts to take off. How do you measure a good AI? I mean, look at something like Colonization, where the AI just plain cheats. And that can be a good AI. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. There's nothing inherently wrong with the AI but, presenting a challenge by getting special bonuses that but, you don't get. Yeah, but if uh, but, but but if you learn the system and learning the system doesn't help you, like in colonization where you know the king's going to mass up 800 soldiers and you just can't keep up with that because of the way the system measures liberty bells and not paying taxes. I would argue, not, I mean, that's a tough example, Troy. You're, you're pulling out the big gun first. But I would argue that's an example of learning the system, is managing liberty bells. Now, I say that as someone who has never won a game of colonization. The Dutch. Uh, Play I would the argue Dutch. That I've only won as the Dutch. The Dutch? Okay. Uh, you declared independence and pulled that off? Declared independence, pulled it off. Just getting in lots of that early trade. Congratulations. Uh, but I think that's... Of that. Uh, later on the podcast, so people can download it and see how smart. Troy yeah, yeah, we need to see uh, evidence of this, Troy. We need a we need a screen cap or something. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, but so that's that's been my big beef with Empire Total War, and I I totally I I just don't. It's not a smart game. It falls apart once you learn the system. Uh, and maybe you know, I think the conventional wisdom is you wait for the modders to come in and fix it. And that's, that's always just, a cop out. Always a cop out. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, I also have a huge problem with Empire Total War in terms of how. So Empire Total War, my experience with it is sort of, and I'm tr- I'm going to try to use a math term. Bruce, call me on this if I blow it. But uh, 
my experience with it is kind of like this bell curve of fondness, where at first I hate it. I'm in there and I'm like, works. oh, what? Pardon? Did that work? Did that I use works. it right? I don't no. think it makes any sense at all. Well, let me explain it. Hold on. Let me explain it, and then you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, this is my bell curve of fondness for Empire Total War. Uh-huh. At first, I don't like it. So it's the very bottom of the curve, right? And I'm slowly liking it as I learn it. But why I don't like it is they do a terrible job with their documentation. It's got a terrible manual. They want you to play through this little scripted campaign if you want to learn anything. Uh, the tooltips are really screwy, and I hate them. Uh and it's just it 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 would be hugely alienating to a new player, I feel. So there I'm hating it. But then I'm playing it and I'm learning it and I'm liking it. So I'm climbing up that bell curve. At the very top of the bell curve, I'm like, hey, I've sort of figured it out. I like this game. But then I start to discover that the AI is terrible, that it's a dumb game, and I start coming down the far end of that bell curve and I'm no longer fond of Empire Total War. Did I describe a bell curve correctly? Or you described the shape of a bell curve, but parabola would have worked better because a bell curve is about distribution. Ah, I think you parabola. described that book called The Bell Curve very well. By Sylvia Plath. Exactly. Yes. Very emo. They don't, the uh, bell curve is not, doesn't describe changes over time. It doesn't? No. It's no. About, it did, say, okay, then let's just pretend. Can we edit it out? And everyone yeah. said bell curve oh. put in parabola. <laughs> no way, Harvard boy. It stays. <laughs> At least I didn't try a sports metaphor. So so anyway, anyway, that is sort yeah. of my experience. That That's my parabola of fondness for Empire Total War. And I'm okay, at the far end of it. Parabola. That's, we, can, we can start using that. That actually could be very interesting. The chick okay. parabola. Chick Parabola. Yeah, well, but I'm at the far end of that Parabola, and I, I don't like Empire Total War anymore. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm about like to it. break up with it. So we're going to have a negative review of Empire Total War? Well, no, I, you know what? Not necessarily, Troy, because I do think, I mean, fortunately for Crispy Gamer, I don't have to give it some stupid number. Oh, yeah. It's very much to try it, and that I think when you're at the top of that Parabola, it's an awesome game, and it's beautiful, and it does some things right. But ultimately, I'm just so mad at those guys that they didn't make it smarter and for the far end of the parabola and that they didn't document it better for the near end of the parabola. But would it uh, even matter? I mean, get, trying to get you to play a game you know, one month after it came out is impossible. I mean, we'd have okay. all these – I just remember so many times when uh, – I would find some game that I liked, and of course, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of time to play, or ha- I don't have a lot of time to play in general, and so it would take me like three months to sort of play the game as many times as you would play it in a, you know, a couple of days, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would start to learn the game, and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is a really awesome game, oh, we should do this for uh, Tom vs. Bruce, and you'd be like, eh, that game came out like, what, six <laughs> weeks ago? I'm completely over that, I, we need to get this other game, and, I mean... I think a lot of gamers are like that, where they just consume games, consume games, and part of the fun of playing the game is being in this, uh, you know, sense of being on the leading edge of what's being released, and then you sort of get sick of things after. I mean, who plays who plays games, uh, you know, uh, you know, more than a few months after they're released? Just you know, this, this small hardcore subset of people who decide to settle on a certain game, and you know, like Julian's friends, they're uh, you know playing five-hour games of Sins of a Solar Empire every week. I mean, uh, I, I think that's I mean that's that's a fair point for guys like us. For well, I don't know about us, but certainly me and Troy. I don't know that yeah. I would include you in that group, Bruce. You're you're you're, you're you are your own aberration. Uh, but I, I think it's it's a little unfair though to to allow games to get away with being fire and forget experiences. I might have been using fire and forget incorrectly, by the way. But it's a little unfair to let games get away with uh, with with just having that short appeal. I think we we deserve more 
as 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 video gamers. Video gamers in general, I think, deserve more. Well, I mean, I isn't it isn't it the case though that uh, you know they're only really these fire and forget, as you put it, experiences, which I also don't think really works at all. But well, then uh, why did you use it? Well, just kind of you know emphasizing how much your metaphors don't work. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that. Uh, uh, that's that's only the case for you know people like you and Troy and I yeah, I definitely don't lump myself in with you guys, um, but uh, you know they're they're probably people who uh, who just they don't get over the game because they've beaten it. I mean they play the game because they like getting involved in the game and then they stop playing the game when uh, um, when uh, you know it stops it stops being interesting to them to 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 you know sort of fool around with the system, but. You know the, the gamers that you're you're trying to keep in uh, engaged with uh, with your you know super brainy AI. I mean they may not have the the uh, the desire to stick with a game for uh, for six months. Where that that means that they're going to miss all these other games. Actually, they'd probably buy all the games anyway, and then they'd stack them up in their you know in their office, and then they'd post to message boards about how they're you know their gaming backlog or whatever. Yeah, uh, that, like those guys that are their own. Don't understand. Family. But uh, as though, you know, games are something that, you know, you have to work through um, uh, to, you know, chalk up your your uh, your experience with games and you can, you know, you have to have a list. But um, well, this brings up for me two points. So I I think uh, it's 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 a whole different when when you're primarily a single player game, which is the case with the Empire Total War games. And I can't wait. I mean, I just can't. Well. When you're primarily primarily a single-player game, you have a different obligation than when you can also cultivate a multiplayer community. And you know something like uh, Total War, I just can't imagine it has much of a multiplayer community. Whereas Julian's friends, who are playing five-hour games of Sins of a Solar Empire, are doing it because it's a multiplayer game, and that game has a multiplayer community. But then another another point I want to bring up though is. Civilization 4. That game is what, eight years old now, I think? Came out in 2001. Uh, that's not true, by the way, I made that up. Uh, that game is old, though. Uh, yeah. And it's still got so much staying power. Uh, the AI isn't perfect, but it's good enough. And it, it sometimes has to cheat to, to be good for people who have really mastered the system. That's, you know what, Civilization 4, and I think we can all agree on this, is the perfect strategy game. There's that awesome early gratification of learning it. That's the early part of the chick parabola. There's the top of the chick parabola where you're mastering the system, and boy, that's awesome too. And then instead of just falling off on the far end of the chick parabola because it's dumb, it lets you scale up the challenge level. Uh, I mean, they, they, those guys just did perfect. And, and furthermore, there are all of these mods. I mean, they're primarily a single-player game, but they've cultivated this enormous sense of community by being open to mods. Well, I think the mods. I think the mods are the thing that make the, the single-player. And you just—that's very good that you picked up on. Uh, that one thing that any single player game that's going to have any legs is going to have mod ability. Just like yeah. while you're wrong that Civ 4 is the perfect uh, uh, strategy game, I'd reserve that for Dominions. Um, <laughs> there that, is a shock. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, interesting. How would you describe Dominions on the Chick Parabola? No, Dominions is an awesome, another awesome example because of its multiplayer. Uh, 
support, but also I don't, for me personally, and I was always a dabbler in it. I, I'm nowhere near the, I mean, I didn't write a manual for it, for instance, like a certain person on this podcast did. Uh, sure, you wrote so a I never got very good at, at dominions, but dominions never fell apart for me because I felt the AI was stupid. Uh, dominions was consistently a challenge for me. And a lot of that is, you know what? I don't guess I ever came off the far end of that parabola. I never felt like I mastered the system. Um, but yeah, Dominions worked for me completely. Do you feel the AI falls apart in Dominions, Bruce? Um, I don't. I think the the AI does. It doesn't fall apart. I mean, I think the the um, the bigger problem is that you never at some point you just want to stop playing them. My biggest problem with Dominions, and for all the people uh, who are listening who don't know what Dominions is, you should just go and get it and find out. Um, There'll be a link to it on this podcast on Flash or Steel. Oh wow! So Mark Stein doesn't get a link, but Dominions does. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, so, uh, so the the thing with Dominions is um, that, and and one of the reasons I I love that game so much. Uh, the reason one of the reasons I stopped playing, besides the fact that I I just don't really have a lot of time anymore to play games. Period. Is that, uh, and this is a completely separate issue, is that the game devolves into uh, the, the 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 interface is just not able to uh, handle the micromanagement. Uh, at the end of the game, it just it, it be, the game becomes tedious if you're if the the size of the game is too large, and of course everybody wants to make uh, maps that are as large as possible because for some reason that's another thing about uh, strategy games. The bigger the game, uh, somehow the more uh, you know the more significant or the more uh, the more relevant it somehow seems. You know, little games with little small maps, ah, eh, who cares? But yeah, well, it's just to, it's just all to double your pleasure idea that you know if you thought ten was good, we've added twenty new vitamins, you know. <laughs> right, but I mean, but I think also the the thing about the the large maps and and um, uh, Troy, you actually wrote about this on your blog, the idea of epic and how the word epic has sort of become completely devalued. But I think there's some uh, there's really some sort of kernel of truth to that is that gamers want gamers want escape and. I mean that's the I think that's the whole I hope we can all agree on the idea that you know it doesn't make you you know like a better uh, you know commando or whatever it is um, or you know a better um, you know it doesn't make you balance your checkbook any better it's just it's a games are a form of escape and uh, it's 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 easier to escape into this giant map where uh, you know you have um, the sort of sense that you're living in this, or you're playing in this alternate world, where if you have a tiny little map with ten provinces and 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 um, uh, you know it's over very quickly, that's more of a game, more of a competitive game. I beat this, you know, I beat this guy playing on this map, whereas you can sort of lose yourself on the larger maps. Um, but I, that, that was sort of a rambling answer that didn't make any sense and, and kind of got <laughs> lost. So. Um, let me just say that for, as far as um, as far as dominions goes, um, uh, I never really thought that the AI fell apart. I think that Dominion survives very much besides the fact that it's a multiplayer game on the fact that it can con- I mean it's constantly being modded. you know every people have you know uh, you know Pokemon mod for Dominions, you know all the different Pokemon Dominions is being modded. I didn't know that. I knew you could make maps for it, but I had no oh, idea they were getting yeah. mods. Oh, you wow. can mod the whole game. I mean, you can mod, then there, and people go to go to the Shrapnel forums at some point, uh, for which there'll probably be a link at the bottom of this podcast, and uh, and just check out all the stuff that uh, people have made for Dominions. And there's is there I mean, a Lord of the Rings mod? Um, there was, you know what? I don't know the answer to that because I haven't really played around with um with uh, 
dominions in, in so long, but there totally could be. And I remember there was some guy that was talking about, you know, making uh, a Lord of the Rings mod where you had all the different Lord of the Rings units. And it would be totally, I mean, I'm not going to say easy to do. It just, it, it's very straightforward. You just have to spend a lot of time uh, doing it, but you totally could do it and then play oh. it on the map of yeah. uh, the Lord of the Tolkien actual map of Lord yeah, of the Rings. Yeah, I want to play that. You could, yeah. Yeah, you could take it from the book. You could scan them from yeah. the book. Oh, yes. oh I totally want to play that. So, yeah, whoever's out there doing that, uh, yeah, get on doing that. But uh, uh, Real quick aside about Dominions, I talked to uh, – and, you know, I'm, I'm used to thinking of his name as Blair Fraser, but it's not Fraser. I think it's just Fra- Fraser, Fraser, Fraser. The, the, Fraser, okay. Uh, the, the fellow who made Sins of a Solar Empire. Uh, right, right. And there will probably be a link to it at the bottom of this podcast, but my most recent RTS column – uh, for Crispy Gamer, Rush Boom Turtle, there's my plug, uh, I talked to Blair, and he said one of the things that inspired him for the interfa- interface of Sins of a Solar Empire, and he said this in a positive way, was the interface of Dominions. Are you As serious? a designer, he liked he said, the interface of Dominions, and he wanted to imitate it in Sins of a Solar Empire. You're, they, you're, He's they, such you're, a liar. He up. is that, such that, a liar. There will be a, a link at the bottom of this podcast. Go read my column, and Blair explains himself. Yep. There are parts of the, the, the interface from Sins of a Solar Empire is based on the interface from Dominions. I am not making that up. Is that column up already? It will be by the time this airs. Okay. Wow. I'm just curious. That just seems like... If I was a game That's designer, I, well, I, I, can, I, I could see that. If I was a game designer looked at Dominions, I'd be inspired to not do that. <laughs> well, that's to the contrary. Blair was inspired to do it like Dominions. You'll see. You guys will see. There's a little teaser for, for my column. Well, there we go. Um, that's certainly curious. So <laughs> the uh, the one thing I will say about um, about the whole idea of um, you know multiplayer versus single player and the um, and games longevity is um, you know, I've played Dominions for. I don't know when that game. Tom, when did that game come out? Two thousand and three, right? Dominions two. Well, the first, the first Dominions came out in two thousand and one. No, two thousand. Yeah, three. For Dominions two came out in two thousand and three. The original Dominions I think came out, came out in two thousand and one. Um, I didn't play the the first Dominions. I think you did actually, and you posted on that thing called Usenet, um, which <laughs> oh I don't. My God. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I remember Tom Chick posting on Usenet about this cool game. Called Dominions. So uh, I should uh, I should, I should look, look through Google Groups and yeah and, yeah actually and, do and, that and, could, I, yeah. and I will link to that post at the bottom of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, you know I think there's there's definitely with games like that there's definitely the potential for you know really hooking players for a long time. I mean I wrote as, as Tom sort of for those of you who don't know um, as Tom alluded to earlier I wrote the manual for Dominions three. Um, and, and it was one hell of a manual. And I normally yeah. wouldn't throw Bruce a compliment, but I'll I'll make an exception here. Uh, that's how you do a manual. Yeah. Well, that that uh, that was that was so much fun to write that. I would I wish I could have the experience of writing that manual again because it was so incredibly uh, fun. I know that Tom hates when people describe anything as fun, so I'm going to go and do it again. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, I think that it's really possible to have a game where. You you really do just pick it up again and again, and um, and one of the things that makes that game have such longevity is one of the guys, um, one of the one of the two um, uh, designers, uh, Christopher. Um, he basically is responsible for the artwork and sort of the conceptualization of the of the world, 
and uh, one of his comments was that you know it was one of the it was so cute. He says that you know people were asking, well, you know, what are you going to do? Why are you going to um, why why don't you spend more time doing the doing the interface and sort of cleaning up the game rather than releasing all these extra nations? And Christopher's like, well, I mean. The only thing I'm really involved in here is is just kind of making these extra nations and and you know I sort of have these ideas and then I draw them so you know if I stop doing that I think that you know I I wouldn't really have anything to do so um so in that sense I mean the designers themselves are in a way sort of just you know playing with the toy and you know they're just using it to 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 uh, you know to entertain themselves which I think I mean it's great and it created this this uh this sprawling game where you have, you know, 30 different nations, 30, God, it's probably a lot more than that now. Um, <laughs> you know, so dozens of different nations that you just go and, you know, now you learn a different nation and now, you know, you have different artwork and, you know, sort of, uh, different effects. And, uh, uh, the game, you know, the game is constantly fresh. So I, I think, I mean, I think that, uh, I think it's possible to make a game where, um, you know, players just just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. God knows the Dominion's community is about as hardcore as it gets. But um, so I I don't I I, I sort of I understand how um, how it's possible to sort of fall in love with the game and play it forever and ever. And and I even I believe it or not, I booted up Dominions about three days ago. Wow. Played yeah, played it for about thirty minutes. Remembered you know how much I liked it. Um, realized that I was playing a game that I. Uh, had saved probably, you know, I've been playing it for probably three years, and I play it for about 15 minutes before I realize that I can't keep track of any of my units anymore because the map <laughs> is so huge, and I forget what I did and who was doing what, and then I, you know, I sort of get tired of it and I quit. But, you know, I, I still keep booting it up. Well, to bring this back to Empire, um, Tom, what do you think the chances are of their proposed multiplayer campaign being useful in any way whatsoever? Zero. I don't, I don't even see why they're wasting resources on it. I, I've read a few interviews, and they just seem confused about how to do it. Uh, it will absolutely not work given the design of the game. You can't have two people, and it'll only support two players, right. of course, sitting there looking over the map and then playing one of the long, drawn-out tactical battles, which relies so much on time compression at, at certain times. And uh I just think it's a misguided effort on their part. I mean, bless them for trying, and they're probably making some people happy, but what a, race, a waste of their resources, I feel. Yeah, it tends to mirror my reactions. When I heard they were doing it, my first thought was, so what am I going to do while the other person's taking their turn? Because... You're, yeah, you're going to do fuck all. <laughs> especially so if, they insist, playing, every, if they insist on playing... If they insist people who insist on playing every single battle. Because there are people who will sit there and wait for that stupid load. One of the things that they've suggested, and this is a little intriguing, Troy, I'd be curious to see how this works, even though I think it's a a poor compromise, is that while the other guy's playing a battle, you're going to always control the the opposite side. So if he's fighting a battle against rebels or an AI nation, uh, you then take control of the units. That's so mean. That is mean, exactly. Uh, And there's ways around that, but I just... uh, I yeah, don't know. I, I just don't. I think that's not. You'd have, you have the, the, the partition of, of of Poland in every game. I mean, if I if you're if you're Prussia and I'm Russia and I want Poland and you want Poland, we just make sure we 
control the Polish armies. I control the Polish armies you're fighting. You control the Polish armies I'm fighting. And you make sure they always die. And we divide it. got to keep bagging on Poland. And conquer the Turks. <laughs> well, because my native England never got partitioned. Your native true. England? Well, what? My homeland. Troy was born in England. He's English. Yeah, Troy Goodfellow, his last name is Goodfellow. That's not English. I don't know what it is. The hobbits are from England, duh. Where do you think Hello? the Shire is? <laughs> well, I think we've had a good discussion for today. Uh, next week, hopefully Jillian will be back, and we will be able to pick up where we left off. Uh, if you have any ideas or suggestions or questions, please send me an email at troy.goodfellow at gmail.com. The address is on Flash of Steel. I want to thank Tom and Bruce for being with me again and be with you again next week. I think everybody needs to needs to uh, give me some homework because um, homework. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know what to play this week, so I think that could be uh, something that uh, people could just suggest. There we go. Suggest a game that Bruce will have time to play. Yeah, and it can't uh, then, be a thirty-hour epic. Well, I mean, it can be. I just won't Unless have time to play all thirty hours. But uh, yeah, so then I can um, I can talk to uh, you guys in more than theoretical terms. And I'll, I'm always willing to discuss Dominions. Well, let you keep being a viral marketer for Shrapnel Games. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye, everyone.